0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola.
1: All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, that reminds me I should turn this on. The talk and text line, 608-785-7914. I'm signing into it right now. 608-785-7914. Couple of couple of things, uh hit the hit the news. <laughs> Right, right after the show, I, I got news. Brad runs in here, and he tells me Oktoberfest canceled for lacrosse for this coming September. And if you go to—oh, I'm on the Oktoberfest Germany page. If you go to the Oktoberfest page in lacrosse, the, the, uh, the countdown clock has been changed. It's been altered a little bit. They're right on top of this stuff. Uh, Oktoberfest, next 456 days, six hours— 52 minutes away, Oktoberfest set for September 30th through October 3rd, 2021. I did talk to uh, the Oktoberfest president, James Brennan, for like four seconds today. And he more or less said they're, they're going to try to come up with some creative ways to celebrate this year while not actually having the fest. And we can get into that in a little bit uh, later in the show uh, we're going to talk to you. we're going to talk about domestic violence during a pandemic. I talked to Ann Capoff, the executive director of the New Horizons Shelter and Outreach Centers. Uh, they're located in Lacrosse and Trego counties, and we'll just talk about uh, people suffering from domestic violence while handling a pandemic. So they're more or less locked in their house for the for the duration of this time, or for you know for for a, a little while there, maybe a month or so, month and a half. People were. St- st- staying at home, safer at home order in Wisconsin and, and just how people dealt with that. Cause in my head, I thought, you know, calls for domestic violence would be way up while people are locked, staying at home, safer at home. I shouldn't say locked in their homes, I, I don't, but uh, in my head, but, but Anne says, uh, Anne says was, the numbers were a little different. So I talked to her just earlier today. So that's a, a conversation we're going to have. I'm just going to play in a, in a little bit, but, Um, What else is there? Oh, the cross fire chief, Ken Gilliam is going to come on Thursday onto the show and talk about. And one of the things we're going to talk about, they had a city plan commission meeting yesterday and talked about a new law enforcement center for the city of lacrosse. And it's getting pushed by city leaders. Uh, It's one of those contentious points. I think when we, we talk about a pandemic and the city's trying to save money, right. and Cutting, Cutting, what, the library budget by $500,000, but we're we're going to go ahead with a new law enforcement center? Is that what we're going to do? How much is that going to cost? I think the city council will talk about that next Thursday as well. Uh, Mayor Tim Cabot's going to be on here next, not next Monday, this coming Monday, right? Uh, six days from now, and um, we'll, we can drill him about that as well, right? Uh, we could talk to him. Uh, about this the the idea of a new law enforcement center. Ken Gilliam's always pushing for new fire stations, as the uh, the fire stations in the cross are pretty old and rickety, and uh, almost to the point where they're not healthy too. And and so uh, a couple of things looking ahead, but the the idea of canceling Oktoberfest, I don't think was was uh, something that surprised me at all. And back in April, Germany canceled its Oktoberfest so I feel like it was only a matter of time right if, if they're canceling Oktoberfest in Munich Germany um probably not going to have it in, in lacrosse right even though if you talk about Oktoberfest lacrosse has the uh the longest one here on this side of the on this side of the earth in this hemisphere or at least in the United States uh, it's been going since 1961 so it's probably a tradition they wanted to hold out as long as they could but you know these things have to be planned ahead of time, and I'm sure there's like permits and and the idea of having like a hundred thousand people outside at a parade is that is that smart or not? I I feel like we've had what did we have like a almost maybe like seven hundred people at Riverside Park for that protest a couple of weeks ago. I remember being at uh, wearing masks. We weren't drinking at the protest. Most of us. No, I'm kidding. Nobody was drinking. Well, nobody was drinking beer but uh most of the people i would say 80 percent of those people were wearing masks but the idea of going to uh the, what something like the maple leaf parade where a hundred thousand people show up can you can you do that and 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 be safe during a pandemic like this uh i don't know let me know if you want to call 608-785-7914 we'll go to the phones number three is holding tight i'm gonna go caller who's this you're on the air hi my
0: name is mike and i just like to Make a little comment about all the stupid people that are driving through Stoddard. I'm on part of the crew doing the highway project down there, and it's been like a freeway down here all day. It's open to local traffic, but that doesn't mean every Yahoo should be driving on it.
1: Yeah, you got to kind of zigzag. Are you still zigzagging through Stoddard right now?
0: We're working on... The stretch of highway north of where you turn on the Perk Cooley to start the zigzag. Oh, so yeah. So it's down the one lane, and we're in dump trucks dodging people that are driving all over the place where they aren't supposed to be, and it's just it's making things dangerous and slowing down the process. If they take the detour like they were supposed to, We'd get
1: done a lot faster. Yeah, I was just gonna say, are they? They're by, so. they people are bypassing the detour and supposedly going uh, through the one lane and then through Stoddard just to get to the other side. You think, huh?
0: That's correct because they they don't want to take the long detour around. So word must have got out that you could get through Stoddard, so everybody today decided they were going to.
1: Well, have you have you guys thought? And you're driving dump trucks, so I hope you're not driving and talking on the phone. I'm just kidding. I know you're not. Um, but uh, is there a, is there a way to get law enforcement involved to 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 find out if these people are actually uh, you know able like legally, essentially driving through Star?
0: Technically, it's the road is legally open. It had to be kept open, but it's supposed to be for local traffic and right. i'm seeing plates from iowa and minnesota and everywhere else that definitely don't live in southern.
1: yeah all right well i hopefully uh so so the big problem is just there's a lot of traffic huh and then
0: oh it's ridiculous okay. there's 10 cars we got two plate people and they got at any given time 10 to 15 cars backed up in each direction
1: Sure. And we're trying to haul material
0: in and out of there to get the road open
1: all right all right well, thanks for the call i i'll I'll, uh, I'll yell at the people here a couple of times during the hour not to go that way
0: okay thank
1: you <laughs> all right uh that's a dump truck driver uh working right now on south south of lacrosse on the on the highway they're redoing the highway there and uh it's there's a detour take the detour people. Uh, number three is on. I remember back in high school, I was a flag man for for one of those, but I was the only flag man, and so I had to stop traffic like a hundred yards one way and a hundred yards the other way, and I I always had two cars coming at the same time, and I'm like jumping up and down and doing jump jacks, jumping jacks, and I had my little stop slow sign. Uh, man, it was not a fun job. So, uh, it, but maybe just hire two flag people. I guess it would have made it easier. How are you doing, number three?
2: I'm doing real good. See. I heard Erie call in last night after I talked and he said he was just gonna listen from now on.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't yeah, he's he's it's uh, he made it sound like you said he shouldn't call in and you were just saying he called in he called in yeah, he I was called,
2: just saying he, that you asked me if I did and I said once and he's I said Erie called quite a few times and it's always good to hear from Erie because he says it just as he sees it.
1: Yeah, I don't. I have no. I don't problems. want
2: him to be mad at me.
1: No, I got you. That that's fine. You got anything else on Oktoberfest year? You're a guy that's lived well, around I here a long time. I've never been
2: to one. But oh, okay. for what it costs the city of lacrosse to put that parade on? I think maybe they can take that ninety thousand dollars or a hundred and put it to that new gazebo that they're going to put in Burns Park.
1: Oh, what what? I thought we were building bathrooms. I see the lacrosse center is making some progress too over there.
2: Okay, well no, they're going to have a gazebo at burns park um they're fixing it all up and i'm going to suggest to the mayor that maybe you and him can do a live show from there after (laughs) they get it up
1: i think maybe you and the wife could renew your vows over there when it's when it's well
2: that's coming up
1: (laughs) yeah little another week hopefully she's not listening i don't want to spoil the surprise
2: no, no, she
1: she could take a joke. Okay, all right. He's
2: been married to me for fifty seven years, no problem.
1: Yeah, that's the biggest joke of it all, right? Okay, keep your powder <laughs> all dry. All right, thanks for the call. All right, we're gonna we're gonna hit news, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about Oktoberfest coming up after the news with Brad Williams in just a minute, right here on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, having a conversation with Gary Podesky on. On the text line, he's like, which Gary was number three talking about? That wasn't me. I I don't remember if number three mentioned to Gary. I'm not quite sure, but it wasn't Gary Podesky if he did. I was only half listening to number three. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But but, uh, number three had called in just before talking about uh, building a gazebo at some park. Not quite sure where, but obviously the idea of building anything right now as the city tries to save money is going to be contentious to anyone that pays taxes. And doesn't feel like, uh, you know, something like a gazebo is all that necessary. Number three did mention, too, that $90,000 he said something about the city pays maybe $90,000 for for the parade, the the Maple Leaf parade. I I have no idea. Sure, sounds right, right? Like we'll just go with it. But um, according to a study, we had this story last year. On WisdomNews.com, so I just kind of looked up, you know, well, hey, what does Oktoberfest bring in to the city monetarily when you know now that it's canceled for this year? And according to a study from the UW System, October Oktoberfest economic impacts about fifteen million dollars to the area. So dishing out ninety grand for the Maple Leaf Parade is probably a pretty good trade-off if you're talking myth fifteen million dollars. But digging into this a little bit, so the the study, I think, unless there was another study and it just came up with the same exact numbers, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. It could have just been it could it could have just been uh the, the 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 latest study is what the story said. So looking at this, I was like, well, the latest study that I can find is a study from September of twenty fifteen by UW Whitewater. And it said $15 million was the economic impact for lacrosse. Uh, some other bullet points there were more than $1.17 million in tax payments to various levels of government Ooh. and 211 jobs to the local community. So that, that's from what I found from Whitewater from 2015. And they looked at the 2014 Oktoberfest. But if we all remember 2014, I had to look this up too because it, and I even had to ask Brad Williams, and the human Google couldn't figure it out. He couldn't just give me the dates of when Oktoberfest went from four days to nine days to four days, and and uh, I think he's slipping. So don't don't let him. You know, don't mention it if you see him, and maybe don't ask him for for specific dates and time, as Brad Williams and Wisdom News he. You know, you can give him a date in time, and he can tell you uh, a a, fu- a funky fact usually about it. But I got him on this one. He couldn't tell me the fact that I wanted. He he can give me a fact, but he couldn't give me the fact. So in 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 2014, Oktoberfest went to a four day festival. They had been a nine day festival from 2000 to 2013. So the study looked at the 2014 Oktoberfest. That was the first first time it was four days. So they bring in fifteen million dollars. And I kind of wonder, you know, the four years after that, or three years after that, or four years after that, my bad, uh, if if the uh, economic impact would have been higher or lower because people are adjusting, right, to this four-day um, festival. And uh, lacrosse has the oldest, apparently, in my research. I, I'm not a big lacrosse Oktoberfest guy, but I was like, oh, this is interesting. Uh, Lacrosse Oktoberfest first celebrated in 1961. It's the longest-running Oktoberfest in the Midwest. Um, I said the nation before, but I meant the Midwest. And uh, back then, in 1961, the buttons cost one dollar. So you know, for for those that that are interested in that, but Oktoberfest is canceled for this year. I'm sure a lot of people are disappointed in that. Uh, if you wanna if you wanna call or text 608-785-7914, Writing was on the wall to me back in April when Munich canceled their Oktoberfest. I don't know if you guys know this, but Oktoberfest is originally, you know, started in Germany back in 1810. So Munich Munich canceled their Oktoberfest back in April, late April, April 21st, I believe it was. And I do have some uh, interesting numbers from, from the uh, Oktoberfest over in Germany. Uh, it brings in 1.3 billion dollars. So a little bit more than the uh, 15 million from the 2014 study, 2015 study. Uh, it draws 6 million visitors from 50 countries. And last year, so 2018, this is, this is the stat I want. Because I think lacrosse might be able to compete here. Last year in, in the Munich Oktoberfest, uh, they guzzled 7.3 million liters of beer. So we're going to have to do the calculation there with liters. And a, and a slight decline. That was a slight decline from the 7.5 million liters of beer they, get, they guzzled in 2017. So I kind of wonder where, where lacrosse fits in and the amount of beer guzzled for Oktoberfest. But uh, we'll will, will be zero beer unless we're counting beers at home. Uh, we'll go back to the phones. Caller, who is this? You're on the air.
3: Hey, this is Sam. Uh, my my thoughts on Oktoberfest, um, you know, if you go back to 1968, we had a pandemic back then. It was the Hong Kong flu. It killed 100,000 people, which is sad and tragic. That sounds like a large number in the scope of things. You know, we live in a country with 300 million people in it. Uh, that year, they held Woodstock, you know huge outdoor festival and nobody really batted an eye out of it the difference is you know with facebook and social media everybody uh kind of blows things out of proportion you know when this all started we were supposed to to flatten the curve and uh at some point it it jumped in to just shut everything down forever so i i guess i feel you know at some point we just got to start getting back to life as usual
1: are you talking about h3n2 that virus is that what you're talking about
3: uh I'm not sure what the technical name is. It was referred to as the Hong Kong flu back in '68. Okay. So um, I'm not sure what the H number on it was. But
1: so, it, are you an expert in in that in that virus and how it it's transmitted and how contagious it was versus this one versus COVID?
3: No, I'm not a particular expert in in either virus. I know the death numbers from that was a uh, hundred thousand in '68. Um, so I, you know. It's it's comparable, you know, in its scope, you know, I think we'll we'll probably be a little higher than that, but it's hard to tell when so many COVID deaths aren't actually from COVID. You know, they died with COVID, but they didn't die of COVID. So I guess it's kinda it's kinda hard to know what experts to even listen to. Well how you know, many, in today's day and age. How but many it, it would be nice to give people the opportunity to make their own decision if they want to go to these festivals well, how, or not.
1: How many people in sixty eight died of something, you know, like pneumonia or something when they actually had uh h three n two do you know that number?
3: yeah, I don't that oh. would be an interesting thing to look up you know I, I think there's gonna be a lot of studies done on uh you know the causation of death, whether it's from you know a, a particular virus or pneumonia or comorbidity you know there's there's just a lot of uh lot of misinformation out there and then a lot of varying opinions even from medical and virus experts yeah um you know when this all started we're told don't wear masks now we're told everybody has to wear them and you know there's there's so much misinformation out there i think at a certain point we need to open things up and, and let the public make make their own decision you know anytime you walk out your door it's a risk thing, people thing. are walking around with tons of viruses and bacterias all the time so all
1: right i, got, I gotta go uh things are open uh we haven't closed we we've the Supreme Court ruled that things are open. Eric, real quick, you're on the air. Go ahead. Air from Sparta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number three, I love you, man. You're the best. I didn't
0: mean to diss you or anything. You're a good man. I like your... Every time you call, it makes me happy because I hear you. But I love you anyway. But anyway, number three, uh, I was on the National News today, and uh, there's another virus developing in China, and it's going to be worse than this one. On the National News, I heard that today. Keep your
1: ears open. Yeah, some kind Thanks. of some kind of swine flu. I think uh, uh, the caller before Eric mentioned hundred thousand deaths. We're at f- we're at one hundred twenty seven thousand two hundred fifty eight right now in the United States. Five hundred thousand across the the globe. Uh, we're at a, we have twenty five percent of the world's deaths. The United States alone. So the next the next biggest death toll in the world is Brazil at fifty eight thousand. So we're at one hundred twenty seven thousand. Brazil, fifty-eight thousand. Pete, you got you got real quick. Can you be quick? Pete's on the phone.
2: Oh, oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say shutting down our uh, Riverfest and uh, um, Oktoberfest, Really stupid. Uh, losing out on a lot of money and. Um, uh, I, I don't know. You know, you guys are trying to make this out like the black plague. When in reality, it has a ninety-nine point nine four percent recovery rate. People are walking around with face masks on like idiots. Uh, like the guy said before, we need to get back to life. You know, let's let's go ahead and. Uh, I mean, the sunlight kills it anyway get out in the sun, walk around, it kills the virus. It, this virus is really nothing. It's more, it seems like a cold. You know, the only people that really died are the people out in New York, and then he put them all in a nursing home like uh, it was a leper colony and killed a bunch of them off that way. All I right. mean, uh, but right. uh, here in Wisconsin, we don't have that, you know, we don't have that kind of thing going
1: on. So even though it is a Democratic uh, government. All right, P, I got to go. I got to hit news. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but uh, we got to take a break for news. Scott's comment coming up in just a sec. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me now is Ann Kapoff. She's the executive director at New Horizons here in Lacrosse, New Horizons Shelter and Outreach Centers. There's one here in Lacrosse where I'm, I'm guessing, Ann, that you're stationed, and then there's another one in Trempolo County. Ann Kapoff is joining us. Uh, Ann, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing great, Rick. How
1: about yourself? I'm I'm pretty I'm doing pretty well. I'm back from vacation, so like you know, not doing great because I'd rather be on vacation. But w- you know,
0: absolutely.
1: <laughs> all right. So what I wanted to talk to you about is in in obviously all this stuff surround is surrounding a, a pandemic. So there's always things like how do how does this work? How does that work? And then how does it work during a pandemic? And uh, first of all, New Horizons Shelter and Outreach Centers. Can you just can you just break down uh, some of the things that you you all do over there?
4: I absolutely can. So we provide free and confidential services to victims and survivors um, who have experienced domestic abuse or sexual assault in their lives. So uh, we provide community um, resources to them, counseling, um, self empowerment skills. Uh, we can assist them how to connect for employment and housing. And we also provide shelter um, to them if they need to escape an abusive situation. And we have a 24-hour crisis line. So um, anybody can give a call whenever they want to reach out for themselves or perhaps a friend, neighbor or family member.
1: All right. Obviously, we we have this pandemic where the state is shut down. We're worried about a virus. The state is reopened. We're not worried about a virus. And now I don't know where we're at. I don't know if we're worried Mm -hmm. about it or not, but... But in terms of getting having people come to you for help, uh, I, I guess maybe domestic violence calls, stuff like that, is that stuff when when the, when the pandemic started up, it, did you see this stuff kind of increasing, decreasing as people are, I guess people are kind of locked in their house. They, they can't get out and maybe maybe they decide that you know this there's no there's no escape if you can't go go anywhere during a pandemic, then what do you do? So when this first started, What were you guys seeing in terms of of domestic violence calls and stuff like that?
4: Well, we were seeing the same stuff up until probably March, end of March, you know, when the safe safe at home order came through. And then we kind of saw a decrease through April um, during basically a shutdown time for everybody and then started seeing it build back up in May. Um, Just to give you an idea, so um, in March, uh, we had 221 calls to our crisis line. April, when things were kind of shut down and people were staying in, we had 190 calls, uh, which was, you know, quite a bit of a decrease because we're typically right around the 220 a month. It's That started picking back up in May, where we had 225 calls to our crisis line. And um, so far in June, of course, you know, we have a few hours left of the month of June, but we've received 267 calls to our crisis line. So the need is, is picking back up, I think, as people are Um, out and about and life might be turning somewhat to a new normal Um, they are once again you know thinking about themselves and thinking i'm not in the best of relationship and i should be reaching out for someone who can help me
1: now you saw you you said april was down it was down about 30 calls which is an outlier for you guys i I believe you said about 220 calls a month correct and that was the Mm -hmm. time when we're all staying at home so to speak in my head, just thinking about this, I'm thinking like more people are at home; they're locked in together. There would be there would be maybe even more um, a, a bigger need to to get out. But you saw so, the calls decrease. Can you kind of do you do you know why? Can you explain why you, you would have seen decreases instead of increases in calls for help?
4: My thought on that is, I mean, when we think of how many persons were either on furlough or working from home, um, my guess is that victims did not have the accessibility to safely call and reach out because. The perpetrator may have very well been with them 24-7, which doesn't give them the opportunity to call out safely and talk with someone else to find out what's available um, for assistance and and safety measures um, out in the community.
1: Now when somebody does call you guys and they they're they're trying to to I guess go get out I don't I don't know I have a, you probably have a better terminology for this stuff during during a pandemic did you did you guys have to take special precautions or did you have to do anything special to to kind of get those people out safely and and to somewhere else safe
4: Well we um, utilized our shelter as much as possible in fact uh, Rick we actually had four um crisis advocates who really moved into our shelter so that they could um be safe and healthy for persons coming into the shelter and and their shelter residents didn't have to worry about where our staff was on days off and so forth. And, and, you know, bringing in um, um, COVID-19 to them. And we also utilized um, local, um, local hotel um, that, you know, of course provided great rates and great service to us to accommodate um, persons who needed shelter but we perhaps did not have the room in our shelter residence for them
1: yeah I suppose if you're if you're bringing people into the shelter you're trying to do social distancing and you're trying to keep probably people separated a little bit but that's that's pretty amazing that you had four you call them crisis advocates they moved right into the shelter so they're they're uh, they're essentially working 24/7 right a little bit.
4: Yeah, yep. Yeah, they were essentially um working twenty four seven. You know, they would be eight hours um on shift, um, eight hours of personal, you know, life but hanging out at the shelter, um, completing different projects, that type of thing, and then eight hours of, of off sleep time. But you know yourself if you never leave your job if you work from home. Um, even though you might be away from the phone or away from the computer for eight hours, you're really never away from your job. So, um, you know, and just it's astonishingly dedicated staff persons that New Horizons has. It makes me very proud to say that our our, our staff is actually our service product. Um, you know, it's our staff who give the empowerment skills and the counseling services and the the empathy and. Um, the education and what abuse is and what healthy relationships should be. So um, I'm very proud of the staff persons that we have at New Horizons.
1: Now with these four people that stay there 24-7, did you do something special for them? Did they, did they get like free pizza at least once a week? Or I don't know, maybe big raises other, otherwise. Yeah.
4: <laughs> we did try to um, you know um, assist financially in any way that we can uh, could with um, increasing um, pay for them. The community and their um, fellow staff persons um, really pitched in. I would say probably, you know, they were there um, um, from the 23rd of March through the end of May, um, just the camaraderie of their of their teammates and the community, at large, um, you know they were often treated to um, pizza and uh, Mexican food, Chinese food, homemade, you know, food items that type of thing. So, um, you know, although it's tough to be where they were, um, they were treated they were treated well by others. So,
1: yeah, if if nothing else, like at least get a big, a giant big screen TV in there so everyone could watch movies on their downtime, which you exactly, probably have right? probably have that already. <laughs> Get, getting serious again here. So when when people, how hard is it? I, I guess people, if people are in these abusive relationships and, and, I, and I don't have really, I don't have any experience with this, so I don't, I can't even fathom it. If I'm an abuser and I'm a guy, so, and I'm a pretty big guy, so I don't even know if I'm in an abusive relationship, like. And I, I understand that you can call this place, but a lot of people, they, they just don't have, I don't know if, they, if they're if they afraid to call, if they don't have the courage to call, if they feel like they're going to get caught calling to try to get out of this. Why is it so hard for somebody in an abusive relationship to, to reach out for help?
4: Well, um, that's a different. it's, it's a different reasons um, why a person stay in abusive situations. Um, and, and some of the, the common ones... Are they stay for financial reasons. It's um, extremely difficult, as you know, especially if you have children, and especially during a time like this when job security can be questionable and, and uh, whether you have a job um, at the time or you're on furlough is questionable. So finances can keep a person within, the, within an abusive situation. Oftentimes they'll stay because there's children in common believe it or not, they stay because of love. Uh, You really do try. You forget about the abusive times, and you try to make the best of it um, for your family, for yourself, because you remember those good times. And perpetrators always have this uh, ability to promise you that it will never, ever happen again, and you you tend to want to believe them. Um, Survivors and victims can stay in abusive situations because of um, religious re- reasons, cultural reasons, for fear, because sometimes it's less safe if they leave the abusive situation. Perpetrators will also threaten of survivors' children or family, pets, that type of thing, say such things as, if you leave me, I'm going to kill your dog because it's not going to go with you, that type of thing. And so it is extremely hard to break away. I know that it's really easy for persons who have never been in an abusive situation, have never experienced it, to say, um, boy, if he or she ever laid one hand on me, I would be out that door so fast. They, they have no idea what it's like to be in an abusive situation, to walk in a survivor's shoes, to really know what it is. It's, it's easy to say that, but perpetrators, there's a lot of power and control over what the victim does, and it is very hard to leave. And I, I, I say that from, from actual experience. I'm a survivor of abuse, and so I know how difficult it is for anyone to leave. And I was a person that I had family support, and I had the financial purposes financial um, ability at my hands to be able to walk out of the abusive situation, but I had children and it was hard to leave.
1: Uh, Again, we're talking with Ann Kapoff. She's the executive director at New Horizons (laughs) Shelter and Outreach Centers. She's joining us on LaCrosse Talk PM. She's been there 16 years and and is is in 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 talking about the the fact that you've had to go through this how much of that has just helped you it's it's helped you relate to these people right and it's probably just helped you get to to where you are as the executive director here at New Horizon
4: I guess, you know, they say things that happen to you in your life always kind of bring you to a place where you you would be. I would have never expected myself to be where I am today. My life earlier in my younger, much younger years, but it's a majority of our staff persons here, Rick, and even our volunteers have either experienced some form of abuse themselves or they have a family member, a close friend, a coworker who has has been through it, and so there's there's that little bit of a touch of um, knowledge. I think that you know brings a person to work at a organization such as New Horizons. So it takes a lot of empathy.
1: All right. So if somebody you know, maybe somebody listening, they're they're in a situation where they they need to get out. Uh, obviously, that you you have phone numbers that you can call. Uh, what's the process? Somebody calls, and and you know they're they're probably a little bit reluctant to 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 make the call, and then maybe even reluctant to to leave the situation, depending on all the factors that, like you talked to, like you talked about, maybe finances or or children or wh- whatever else might might be, you know, causing them to stay in a an abusive situation. But yeah, can you just break down the process a little bit?
4: Absolutely. Um, I think if a person is not familiar with our services, um, the best place to probably be would be to call our crisis line. And we actually have two crisis lines, but no matter which one a person calls, they'll be connected to a 24-hour person who is wide awake and willing to talk with you. Our La Crosse County um, crisis line number tolls free is 888-231-0066. And if a person is close to up to Tronco County, you can reach out there and call our 800 number, which is 800-706-8586. Talk with someone who um, knows what domestic abuse and sexual um, violence is all about. You don't even have to share your real name if you don't want to. You can say, you know, hi, this is Rick Solom, and I just, I think I might be in an abusive situation, and I wanna I want to talk with someone.
1: Or yeah. or they can use my name as a as a fake name. Is that what you're saying?
4: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's yep, that's what I was saying. No so, you know, rick- personally yep, could, Nine- you could say you're Jane Doe or John Doe and yeah. we're still gonna give you the same amount of help as if you called and said, Hey, this is and cap off, you know. Yeah,
1: maybe don't use Rick yeah. Solem. I don't know. I feel like you might just get you get you'll get less help. I think. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so mm-hmm. there's going to be a, a million different situations, I'm sure. But then somebody, you get to this the point where somebody wants, they have to get out. They 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 need to get extricated. Essentially, what what happens? How does that work? You tell them to go somewhere? Mm-hmm. Do you tell them to come to the clinic, or or what happens?
4: Well, to come to the shelter if they are in imminent danger and they need the ability. Um, when they want to come into shelter. Not everybody wants to come into shelter. Some persons might have family or friends that they can turn to, or they have the finances to go to a hotel or whatever, but our crisis advocates will help them assess their individual situation and determine what is best for them. Crisis advocates will help them do safety planning and if they choo- do choose to come to shelter um, or even to any place else, we can help with that transportation, that emergency transportation. So we have, um, just to kind of give you an idea, we have um, um, helped persons who have needed shelter and they've lived in surrounding counties of La Crosse County where shelter is located. And we have connected with law enforcement to get them... Safe to say, from one county line to another county line to get them into shelter. So, we yeah. have
1: our ways of doing things. Yeah, that was that was my next question too. Is yeah, obviously, if you're in a, an abusive relationship, or maybe it's not obvious, but uh, that means one person is doing harm to another. So, how how often is law enforcement involved here? And and it does does it happen more often than not where that person the the abuser is removed from the situation as opposed to the person getting abused having to remove themselves from a situation?
4: Well, many times um, survivors and victims of abuse do not call law enforcement um, because that can that can escalate um, the danger of what their of their individual situation. So it's not uncommon for um, a victim of abuse to never reach out to law enforcement. If they do reach out to law enforcement, yes then law enforcement will um, you know go to their go to their home and assess the situation um, and proceed with their with their um, duties that they do. Um, and then law enforcement will let the victim know about new horizons and um, what we're available. It is not it's never been, uncommon for um, law enforcement to actually show up at the door with, at our shelter door with a client um, because they know the serious situation and danger that the client is in and they want to get them to shelter right away. That has happened, so um, we have a good rapport and a good working relationship with
1: law enforcement and i'm sure there's many different reasons but is it because i'm not going to call law enforcement over an abusive relationship because it's only a matter of he said she said or maybe well you mentioned before the children and there's other factors here so (laughs) maybe you're just afraid that the circumstances might change if if it doesn't work out
4: well and i don't think it's just so much of a he said she said because law enforcement you know they they do their duties and they're trained on domestic abuse um it's, it's more so that the perpetrator has probably threatened um, the victim in the past if you ever tell anybody what's going on. I mean, there's some pretty, I'll kill you, can come out of their mouth. Um, you'll, um, I'll take the kids away from you, um, you know, that type of thing. It's threats basically coming from the abuser Um is why the victim won't call law enforcement because they're afraid of what that's going to do. I mean, even if a, if a perpetrator is ever tra- if ever served with a restraining order, that can be an extremely um, dangerous situation. We have actually had murders happen because of that. You know, because uh, of abuser has been served with a restraining order and they've gotten pissed off and they've gone and they've taken it out out on their victim, you know?
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. Yeah. So you gave out the numbers. Otherwise, where could people go online to get some information? Get a,
4: www.nhagainstabuse.org.
1: All right. Ann Kappoff, Dr- Executive Director at New Horizons Shelter and Outreach Centers in, in La Crosse and Trempello counties. Uh, thank you so much for joining me.
4: Thanks much, Rick. Appreciate it.
1: All right. Bye. All right, another quick break, and we'll wrap up after this on WIZM. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. It's going to wrap up here. A couple minutes left in the show. Thanks a lot to Ann Kapoff for talking with me, Executive Director at the New Horizons Shelter and Outreach Centers. And uh, coming up, what I'm trying to do tomorrow it's kind of like my favorite thing to, to do on the show, and makes it should be a TV show at this point. Is I'm gonna try a Phil Jennings on, and he's the he works at the Wildlife Rehab Center in Minnesota of Minnesota. They're up in the cities, but they uh, if, <laughs> if you go to their Facebook page, if you just Wildlife Rehabilitation Center of Minnesota, WRC at go to the search page at and then type WRCMN. And just check out some of their pictures. They, they've been pretty busy. Oh, man, I missed this picture. There's some really funky-looking birds that they're sharing on, on their Facebook page. Uh, some of the things they've rescued. Uh, June was a very busy month for them in rescuing animals. And I just want to get him on and, and talk about what they're doing and talk about like what people can do And you know, they see a, an animal... That looks hurt, maybe, or it's not. Like when you see uh, a fawn, right, out in the woods alone, you think, oh, no, mom must have abandoned it. But actually, that fawn is just fine. Mom is out hunting for food, and the baby doesn't have a scent. So mom can leave the baby alone, uh, baby deer alone, and and predators won't get them. A little bit of an update, Treble County. One new case of COVID-19. They're up to 118 total now. 92 recovered. Winona County, 119 cases. They had six new cases today. Lacrosse, 16 new cases today. Um, 428. Blowing away the competition. Lacrosse is. Uh, all right. That's all the time I have. Rug from Trump. Yeah, I'm hoping to have uh rug from Trump text in. I like animals. Yeah, hoping to have that guy on tomorrow. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. We'll talk to you then. See ya.